Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sikama. With me is Benjamin Solak on a perfect alliteration team takeover Tuesday. We've been bending the rules a little bit. We're giving you three Fix Your Team episodes this week. Started off yesterday with the New England Patriots. Today, we're doing the Washington football team. And then on Thursday, it will be a team to be announced later. I'm not giving it away. I'm making you guys tune in. I'm going to tease it until then. I'm very, very excited to continue this series, though, because it's been a lot of fun for us to do. Of course, if you are new to this, what we do on this Team Takeover Tuesday edition of the podcast is we will select a certain franchise around the NFL, one that eh, things didn't work out so well. I can't say didn't make the playoffs because Washington did make the playoffs, and we're talking about Washington today, but they're a team that needs a lot of improvement. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the current state of their front office, their coaching room, look at the roster, some unrestricted free agents, look at their salary cap evaluation, how much money they might have to spend, the big team needs. And then, of course, at the end of the podcast, we're going to run through a team-centric three-round mock draft using TDN's mock draft machine. But before we get to all of that, Ben, my friend, how are you? Uh, Everything is delicious. Thank you for asking. We had a lot of people tell us that there were better things to call yesterday's podcast than me makeover Monday. Wrong. Uh, Also, (laughs) (laughs) just wrong. Yeah, just that. I got make I got makeover Monday in there. Like meme, okay, yeah, it wasn't really a necessary word, but I was just trying to rhyme it with team and I came up with meme. Yeah. Which it was is shocking flawless. to no one. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Right. Yeah, this is not a problem. Uh two, we had people be like, What about uh I had two people DM me. You didn't even mention the Patriots signing Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. I know. We're talking about solutions. Damn. I'm making the team better. Damn. Yeah, that, that was an intentional omission. I don't really know. Yeah, I mean, not to not to continue that conversation too much because we already put a wrap on the episode, but how much better does Jimmy Garoppolo actually make the Patriots? Not significantly enough to where you're not going to be looking to make right. an upgrade in the next couple of years probably. So then that's not like, really a oh, fix. He's a system quarterback. He can execute a system. Yeah, they have no receivers. <laughs> we, that, that's the problem, right? It's like if Garoppolo is not going to elevate anybody – then you can't put him on a roster that right now is just bereft of pass catchers. What's he going to do? Yeah. Throw accurate footballs to, I'm trying to think of Patriots receiver. And Nikhil I Harry. Can't. Nikhil Harry. Matt Jacoby Slater. Meyer. Right. Julian exactly. Edelman. Like, all right, cool. Like, he's going to throw catchable balls to guys who can't break tackles. That's, you're going to be playing in a that's McDaniels. That's not a fix. Yeah, he's going to be playing in a McDaniels system that's very, like, you know, cerebral. I don't think it's fixed. So, anyway, our podcast yesterday was flawless. Stop telling us it wasn't. Anyway, we're being subscribed. <laughs> Five stars only. <laughs> it's not called team. It, it, it's not called change your team series. It's called the fix your team series. We're trying to fix them. We're not just trying to change stuff. We're not just trying to like dress up guys who won't be good still for your team. Which is why we've taken on the task of changing and fixing the Washington football team. Of course, we're going to do a little bit of background information here, and we got to start with the owner. We haven't started with the owner on all the teams because sometimes the ownership doesn't exactly matter. They don't have a big hand in what goes on, but 
oh boy, does Dan Snyder have a big hand in what goes on? Probably too much of a hand. It's actually, I'm going to take the word probably out. We're going to rewind that part of the podcast, and I'm going to say he has too big of a hand in what goes on with the Washington football team. Bought Washington's franchise back in 1999 for $80 million, and you go like, wow, hold, hold on a second. How did it go for that much? Well, it's because he also bought the stadium as well. So it was like the franchise slash the building package that he now owns for $800 million. Since then, Ben, the team is 149 and 202. Not great. Not great. Six playoff appearances since that 1999 season. The football operations with Snyder, and this is kind of where we get into the decision-making part of it, it's been different because they have guys who have been like VP of football operations for them while the head coach is also the GM. And so it's like, okay, clearly the football ops guy is handling a lot of the contract side of things, but then the coaching staff is dealing with a little bit of general manager stuff. And we talked about how when you bleed those things over, when you mix and match those roles, sometimes it can go not great. Obviously things haven't been great in Washington so far, but it's not like they were giving one coach or one man like autonomous control. I guess technically Snyder has that, which we'll get into in a second. But it's been a little bit weird because like they've had two GMs since Dan Snyder has owned the team, but also they've had like a couple of coaches, Schottenheimer, Shanahan, now Rivera, who are also like head coach slash de facto GM. And so it's always been, I think, a think tank of what goes on. Like they're trying to get ideas together, but. Ultimately, it is Snyder who makes a lot of the bigger calls in the team when it comes to bringing in big free agents. And we'll learn in a second with the draft. Although, right now, fast-forwarding a little bit, I do think that they finally have a man in place at head coach who can kind of rein in Dan Snyder and what he's been able to do, and that's Ron Rivera. He apparently has all final say on football decisions, which cannot be said for the previous regime, even just a couple of years ago with Jay Gruden. He's got Martin Mayhew as a general manager there, also has Marty Herney, who was the general manager of the Carolina Panthers when he was there, as the senior vice president of player personnel. And so there are, again, a lot of different voices that are in the room. But I just wanted to intro Washington's situation by saying, for the longest time, it feels like it was Snyder ultimately in control, and then you guys can figure out your roles underneath. Now, it really does seem to be the football guys are in charge of the football decisions and they're going to have the final say in a lot of stuff. And that seems to be what Ron Rivera is doing now in Washington. Right. Also worth remembering that Snyder had a Bruce Allen, who was the Washington president uh, for, I want to say at least a decade. He started, he started in 2010. So yeah. Yeah. So I know what I'm talking about. Uh, And he was given increasing personnel uh, influence across the course of the 2010s. He's team president. He didn't have much of a, a background in personnel, but he was given that control, and that was largely because he was hand-in-hand with Snyder, right? And so not only do you have Snyder seemingly stepping back a little bit with Ron in in the building, and certainly I think when Ron took that job, it was with the promise that that would be the case, um, but you also have no more Bruce Allen. And instead you have uh, Chris Polian, who was hired this past week. I uh, was a general manager for the Colts, I want to say – in the late two two thousands, um, right, Bill Polian's son. Uh, they have Martin Mayhew, who's their their general manager now. They made that hire. He was the ex GM of the Lions. Everybody thought it was going to be Marty Herney, who was the ex GM of the Panthers when Rivera was there. Herney's just like the senior vice president of player personnel. Right. So you've got Polian, director of pro personnel, 
Herney, Senior Vice President of Player Personnel, Mayhew, General Manager, three ex-GMs, all of whom have been in the league for a while, establishment guys with Rivera. Very clear that we're not go- that Washington's not trying to reinvent the wheel. Washington's not trying to get young and aggressive. Washington's not trying to go out there and find a Brandon Staley and bring him in. You know, this is, uh, we want establishment guys. We have a veteran head coach. We are going to stick to our guns on our players. I would be stunned if Washington, like, makes big trades. Now they're going to sit with their picks. They're going to draft good players. And we're going out there with some football games. Brr. You know what I mean? Like, this is very chalky, very buttoned up, cocooned NFL style of team. And there's I've, there's a little bit of like a why wouldn't it be because of Rivera's situation, right? Ron, obviously, firstly, uh, a cancer survivor, dealt with the cancer throughout this entire season. Unbelievable story for ESPN. I cannot remember who wrote it. No, nah, it's annoying. But um, going going through what Ron was going through throughout the uh, the season and just kind of the, the energy levels he was able to maintain and the endurance he had to have to go through what's obviously a rigorous NFL coaching schedule while also battling cancer. Uh, but so Rivera's now a cancer survivor. He's 60, and this is his second team. Rivera, like, he's not in a dissimilar situation, in my opinion, to where Arians was. Like, Arians retired, and then Arians was like, all right, I'll come to Tampa. We're going to go nuts and go in a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? And Arians was like, they're going to spend big money. They bring in Tom Brady, aggressive free agency. Let's get players in here who are going to be successful, and we're going to go. Rivera's timeline's a little bit longer, right? I don't think Washington's going to be super bananas about uh, spending big money. Maybe they go a little bit aggressive in free agency, but my anticipation is it's a little bit longer of a timeline. They're going to draft a little bit more. Uh, obviously, they don't have the quarterback in hand. They're not getting Brady walking through the door the way that Tampa did. Uh, it's, so it's a little longer of a timeline, but Rivera's here in Washington on the second stint, and I I, I don't know... I don't, no personal relationship with Ron Rivera's camp whatsoever, but I would imagine Rivera is not trying to like develop some rookies. You know what I mean? Like I would imagine he's not trying to be like, you know, like, Oh, long-term. And like I said, they're not going to like try anything crazy. They're going to bring in pro ready guys. They're going to put them on the field. You saw what that did for this defense this past year. And they're going to go and they're going to, they're going to try to compete right now. And that's where Rivera is. Rivera was brought in to make this team immediately a playoff caliber team. Are they going to have the necessary edges to push themselves over the top and become a Super Bowl caliber team? I don't think so. But Washington's roster is actually like quite good. Washington's coaching staff has some dudes. And now their front office, for however much faith you have in establishment guys, has some dudes. So they're ready like Washington's aligned everybody's on on Rivera's vision Rivera's getting good play out of out of the defense got quality play out of the offense even with limited personnel and obviously a quarterback carousel they're legit Washington's a, a much better organized franchise than they were and to me that starts with the head coach who Rivera doesn't is not here to mess around and certainly like with his age and with his health situation I don't think that may not necessarily be like you know coaching for the next 10 years so this is his shot here and he's going to take it I, I do agree with you that I, I think that they're going to get a lot of more veteran players in the building. They're not going to like try to turn this around into one of the youngest teams in the league and then like have a big a big development process. Not to say that he's not going to invest heavily in rookies that he likes because he obviously will, and you're going to build through the draft. I think Rivera knows that. But to your point, it was reported that Washington offered their first-round pick, number 19 overall, a third-round pick, and then a starting player 
for Matthew Stafford. And they, they were trying right. to go all in to go get a veteran in Matthew Stafford to kind of like make them a contender right away. And when you looked at this Washington football team, you went like, okay, like this is a good move. Like Washington has to be aggressive for a quarterback one way or the other. And you can't fault them for going after Stafford. But also you go, hey, you remember you made the playoffs just because you were bad in a division that was worse. You know, it's not like they swept the NFC East and became a playoff contender. They, they really needed a lot more, but know how they played in in the playoffs against the Buccaneers if you put Matthew Stafford on there they, maybe they think that they beat the team that eventually became the Super Bowl champions and so they got aggressive in that way I think that that's going to continue to be aggressive and it, it might be in the draft I might push back on you a little bit in the draft but it, from what you said there about Ron Rivera having control and things going Ron Rivera's way it's very different than what's happened in the past most recently with Jay Gruden because since Jay Gruden the former head coach of the Washington football team left he has not exactly done Dan Snyder any favors by keeping things that happened behind closed doors, behind closed doors since leaving Washington. I mean, shout out Jay Gruden for getting wild spicy. I love it. I mean, we love it because now we get, we get to peek behind the curtain and see what a mess it was in Washington. Now I'm going to read a couple of quotes that I got from various sources that have just kind of had either Jay Gruden on an interview for an article or a podcast or things like that. Gruden said this at one point, after no longer being the head coach. I knew the team was taking Haskins if he was available, six months before the draft even. And he talked about the connection. He said, quote, I just knew that Dan loved Haskins, Dan Snyder, of course. He went to the same school as Snyder's kid, talked about him every time they were on TV, and we happened to have a road game, and he saw him on TV. He said, quote, yeah, probably don't like him. You probably don't like him because he's a good player, which I thought was like, holy cow, the owner is taking jabs at the head coach like that. He said, he went on to say, so he would throw these jabs at me, but he really did love Dwayne Haskins. I just knew that if he was available, we were going to take him, and that was a given. You go, hold on. He, he started that sentence a little weird, or he started that statement a little weird. He said, I knew they were taking Haskins. They. That, your, your head coach of the yeah. team. What, what do you mean, they? Like, you're, you're head coach of the football team. How, that's that's not the pronoun that you're I'm supposed to... Not. That's not the pronoun you're supposed to use. And then he said later, this is in a different interview, he said, quote, every year that I was there, we yep, had a... Yep. This is my favorite one. We had a pretty good draft class with a couple of exceptions. Smith was really good about listening to the coaches because all because the coaches also did their evaluations. When it came to our time to pick, we'd always talk about the picks, where we would go, what would happen if this player is gone, did all of the scenarios, and then Dan Snyder would come in off his yacht and make the pick. Off his yacht! (laughs) Yeah, just out there in Chesapeake Bay, coming off the yacht. This is the picture that was painted of what Washington was like and why I I, want to give this background information to Washington more than even any other team because for a long time, Washington has not really been a great franchise. They've had good players. They've had decent teams, and they've been able to put together strings of wins and make it to the playoffs during Snyder's tenure as owner. But it never seemed sustainable. Like, it never seemed something that you went, yes, this is the process. Washington's doing it right. It never seemed like that. I think Rivera came to Washington, and Rivera, who was the best dang coach that Washington was going to get when they fired Jay Gruden, and Rivera said, we're not pulling any of this crap you've been doing for the last two decades. 
either I get full control of this roster or right. I'm not or I'm not coming here. Guaranteed. And that has to be what happened and I and I think that yes looking to Washington's past does hold weight a little bit of weight in what they're going to do in the future. But not nearly as much knowing that it's truly Rivera's show, not something that Snyder could come in and hijack, especially when it comes to the draft. I know. I absolutely agree. There's no way that this approach was going to be sustainable under Ron. Ron's just not going to mess around with this nonsense. No. I will say. He's been too successful to put up with right, that Right, too crap. successful. And, like, I don't know if he had any other options in that hiring cycle, but he wasn't, like, if—, if Washington was his only option, and Dan Snyder was like, "No, nah, this is the way it's going to be." Ron was just going to take a year off, <laughs> right? Ron was going to be right back on the on the the head coaching cycle come twenty twenty one. You know what I mean? Like that. There's no reason for him to go there, and that would have put Washington in a tough spot. Then uh, Ron would have pro- like it would have become public that Rivera said, "No, I'm not doing this," and then that would have made it tough to. They would have had to go outside of the box and grab a guy who really didn't have much leverage and say, "This is how it's going to run." Uh, it's all right, and it's also there's a chance that like within Washington, they were like, hmm, maybe we should change the way we're doing this. This isn't good. Having people who don't have personnel backgrounds making personnel decisions. So like there's there, it may, it may not just be that like they, they acquiesced to Rivera. Maybe they were also just kind of willing to make this change. It's worth remembering, of course, that like it's easy to give quotes after you've been fired. In this case, I do think that like Jay Gruden is largely correct in like probably sharing accuracies but it's always tricky you know it's easy to embellish uh once you're out of the building as it were but the uh owner comes in off the yacht and makes an impact selections sensation is i would point out not isolated to dan snyder across the league you know what i mean like jay is saying this because jay just does not care what people think about his tenure at washington and rightfully so everybody right. knows that that was messed up in ten thousand different ways and it was mostly snyder but I'm sure there are other current or ex-head coaches, current or ex-general managers looked at that and went, yep. And not just ones who were in Washington, too. Like, owners say they don't like to get involved yeah. until, you know, their grandson shows them highlights of Jamar Chase. And then they're like, ah, it might be time to get involved. Yeah. They, there are so many egos in the NFL. And, and understandably so, right? I mean, like, you've got millionaires and billionaires that are controlling these multi-million and multi-billion dollar franchises, organizations. And so everybody likes to be the one to make decisions. Everybody likes to have control. Everybody likes to have power. And something that I hope people have picked up on during this Fix Your Team series, and the entire reason why I try to give as much background information as I can is because there are multiple ways in which power can be displayed within a football franchise. Head coach can have power. GM can have power. VP of football ops can have power. Some guy who used to be a chaplain for the Patriots who's now running a team can have power. Or the owner can have power, right? I mean, like, it can come from all of these different spots. And depending on how involved each one of them is, they can trump one or the other all the way going up to the owner. And so these are guys who have big egos. And the best franchises in the NFL know how to put their egos aside, hire the right people, and let them do what they were hired to do. It seemed like for the longest time, Dan Snyder could not get out of his own way in that regard. He wanted to own the team. He wanted to be the Jerry Jones. He wanted to be the reason why that they were good. And that just doesn't happen. You're an owner. You're doing so many other things with your life. You know what football coaches do? They coach football. 
They know football. General managers, they know contracts, they know negotiations, they know scouting staffs. That's what they do. That's where they come from. That's why they're good at it. And when you hire somebody and don't let them do that job or think you know better, that's when franchises really start to suffer. And that was Washington before, but it doesn't seem to be Washington now. Because Ron Rivera's got him on a good track. We're going to take a look at this roster. We're going to look at salary cap options for him, who they could bring in free agency, and then, of course, get to a mock draft as well after this. But for my betting people out there, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football is over, but NBA, college basketball, NHL, MLB, they're all coming into full swing. Even award shows, TV shows, reality TV, whatever you watch. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Head over to their website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code Locked On. I'll catch one word, Locked On. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. We will be back to discuss everything Washington after the break. February is Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and successes of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than the Game. This week, Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Erica Ayala of Locked On Women's Basketball discuss the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. Subscribe to the Locked On Presents podcast feed on the radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's talk some salary cap for the Washington football team. I believe they have a projected $41 million, which is ninth most in the NFL. It's a good chunk of change. They can make some splashes here. Now, unrestricted free agents, they also got a lot of those, but they're not going to be bringing all of them back. It starts with Brandon Sheriff, their offensive guard, the interior offensive guard, who's really highlighting that free agent class, along with Joe Tooney, who we've talked about many times. Jeremy Sprinkles also... Uh, a free agent, Ryan Kerrigan, who this podcast stands unconditionally as a future Hall of Famer, Thomas Davis, who he could retire, Fabian Moreau, uh, Michael Kendricks, Ronald Darby. Ronald Darby's another big one. Reuben Foster, but I think Reuben Foster's probably unlikely to return. They got Ryan Anderson, the hybrid outside linebacker, pass rusher kind of guy. So they got a lot of different guys that they could be mulling over, but even if they sign guys who played well over the last couple of years, including Brandon Sheriff, they'll still likely have a good chunk of change to go out and spend to bring some guys in. Yeah, and and the Sheriff, is it Sheriff or Sheriff? I hear both, and I, I don't see an I in his name. Yeah, no, I believe it's Sheriff. I also think it's Sheriff, but I, I feel like everybody's always like Sheriff. Anyway. Peyton Manning's the only Sheriff I know. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, that's the big one, because... If you can't get a long-term deal done with him, he's going to be a significant hit on the franchise tag, right? Remember the uh, the football team tried to negotiate a long-term tag or long-term deal, excuse me, with Sheriff last season was unable to do so. I had to pay him fifteen million this year. He makes the first-team All-Pro, which I don't really think he was a first-team All-Pro, but he had a very good season. Yeah. He was healthy. Uh, now he'd be eighteen mil. Don't want to be paying a guard eighteen mil over one year. Uh, and so you're saying they have if to get, he gets tagged again, he would be, yes, excuse million. me. If he gets tagged again, it would be at an 18 million, uh, figure don't want to do that. So you have to get a long-term extension done. That way you can keep this year's cap hit low, make other years bigger because obviously this year is the year where walls are going to be tight because of the, the salary cap ceiling set, uh, by COVID and a lack of revenue. Basically there, you don't want to be franchising anybody this year, especially not for a second time, especially when it's a guard getting paid 18 million. So 
long-term extension for Scherf gives you room to wiggle. You probably have to address starting positions as well in terms of corner, where Ronald Darby and Fabian Moreau are both rising free agents. So those are two of your... Th- that, uh, Darby was a starting corner for them. Fabian Moreau did not really start. Uh, he's their first guy off the bench, and eventually Jimmy Moreland, lo- or Jimmy Moreland had that slot job locked down. So you, you could be okay getting away with, with not Moreau, but you, you need to bring Darby back. Your starting corner position is is a question mark. And then linebacker as well. Their top snap getters on off-ball linebacker were John Bostick, Cole Holcomb, and and Kevin Pierre-Lewis. Bostick's on one-year deal left, and I, I don't know if I would want to improve upon him, period. Mm-hmm. Uh, Holcomb is their their good young rookie who I think is exciting. I think is going to stay around. Kevin Pierre-Lewis is a free agent. You re-sign Kevin Pierre-Lewis. Pierre-Lewis and Holcomb as your starting two. You draft a guy, you should be okay. But it's Scherf. Secure corner and secure linebacker. Your defense was great last year. Hold them down. Your offensive line, especially on the interior last year, was awesome. Hold them down. Keep your strength strong. And then after that's done, you should still have money to say, Curtis Samuel, you want to come play with Scott Turner again? You know, you should have money to be able to say, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. You want to not be like, you know, a 150 target guy. You want to come be, you know, wide receiver two to Terry McLaurin and play underneath, whatever. I don't think they have to go after big money wide receiver because they have a very clear three-level threat wide receiver one in Terry McLaurin. But you can then go and you can make some solid spends on wide receiver, on left tackle. If, you know, Taylor Moten's a guy who makes it to free agency, if Alejandro Villanueva is a guy that you think could be good for you for a couple seasons. Yeah, Trent Williams you can, thinks you, to, oh. Oh, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> it, I, I was really worried you were about to finish that, and I was have to be like, Trevor, he's not coming back. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> I just, um, it's, but you look at left tackles, you can go like, oh, yeah, maybe Trent Williams. Oh. oh, oh, never mind. Oh, nope. And so, I, yeah, oop. it's, um, it's a, uh, it's a situation where I think they're going to secure their guys in their camp first. I think that that Darby makes a ton of sense to bring back. Had a very good re- year for them last year. Sheriff makes a ton of sense to bring back. Had a very good year for them last year. Kevin Bear Lewis makes sense to bring back. Is solid. You still want to improve at linebacker. It's not a good linebacker class. Whatever. You get your background, your backyard done up with the amount of money that you have. You're still going to have money to go and make not necessarily like a tier one tackle or wide receiver spend, but I don't think you need that tier one tackle or wide receiver spend. I think you can go for the second tier of wide receivers, second tier of tackles and be really, really happy with what you get. Bang for your buck. Yeah, I agree with you that I think they're definitely, there's no reason why they shouldn't bring back the good players who are unrestricted free agents. It's not like anyone's really putting them in a bind. The one who's going to be the most expensive for them is Sheriff, and and that's an obvious right, to bring back. But if Sheriff wants market setting, you give him market setting, right? Like, was he was he the best guard last year in football? Because he was first team all pro? Probably not. But is he a top four guard? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that you've got it. You've just got to make that happen because you got Rulier in, in at center who you just extended. You've got Morgan Moses who played well as right tackle. You've got Sheriff next to him. So the right side of the line is good. If you then leave yourself the ability to potentially pick up another starting guard on the left side and then depending on what happens in the draft, maybe getting a starting left tackle, then all of a sudden like the offensive line looks good. Like the outlook over the next couple of years, whoever you've got a quarterback, that looks good. Quarterback is the next thing that we need to talk about here because Alex Smith, without a doubt, should have been unanimous comeback player of the year. It's unbelievable he he was able to come back from his leg injury to play 
not just like a significant snap, snap in the NFL, but many, multiple for games. It's just, it was incredible adversity that he was able to overcome to get to that point in his career. That being said, Alex Smith should probably never be more than QB2 for this team. If they release him, sure, yeah. they get $14.5 million in cap relief for this next season. They what? Get, yeah. I didn't look at this at all. Yeah. If they cut Alex Smith, they save $14.5 million. How? And what if was they, his deal? And if they wait and they cut him next year, what was his deal? Let me look. Um... Four year, $94 million deal. Yep. With Washington, signed in 2019. So, you know, like, yeah. he's, 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 he's 37 years old now. It's just right. There's just no bonuses in this contract at all. He got the signing bonus. Right. And that's it. There's no roster bonus, no option bonuses. I, I wonder if the structure of it changed after a major injury and that kind of voided some of that. I wonder if they restructured this. I don't know. I did no research on this, but I didn't even think to check. Because I'm not sure they will from like a morale locker room perspective, and they're not strapped for cap. But boy, I'd love 14 million dollars. Right, and like I think that look, if it, if it was a lot of other head coaches, maybe you don't get away with this. But I think you do if you're Ron Rivera. Like I really do think Rivera commands so much respect around the NFL with the players and within the locker room that like he would also go about moving on from Alex Smith the right way. Like if Alex really wanted to come back. He would say to him, he'd be like, Alex, we, we would love for you to stay. We would love for you to play as much as you can, retire a, a member of the Washington football team. Like, we would love to have you around, but you've got to work with us here. You've got to be able to see the vision of the team. You're 38. You're coming off that leg injury. With, I mean, you don't say it maybe as cut and dry, but like, we gave you the chance to come back and do what you said that you wanted to do and set out your goal and everything like that. And like, I think they've done well to hold up their end of the bargain for Alex Smith coming back and getting to play again. I, if he's going to come back at all, I think it's got to take a big time restructure of a deal to sometime somehow help them out because right. 14 and a half million for Alex Smith is way too much money, especially for the fact that you know that you don't want to start him next year. And he's going to be 38 years old, maybe 39 years old, 38 or 39. So Uh, Smith is going to be 38. So he's 37 now. I mean, if you look at Smith's contract and let's say that they just like totally move on from Smith, that's Brandon Sheriff. You know, like that's that's free. That's re-signing Brandon right. Sheriff for free right there. And then and then all of a sudden you still have another 40 million to spend in free agency. And when we get to free agency, I think there's a chance that they could attack a a free safety if a guy like Anthony Harris becomes available. I think that they could be interested in him. I think they could potentially be interested in Malik Hooker, although that's more of a projection slash we're taking a chance on this guy rather than a big splash signing that they could make. But when you look at wide receiver, look, if Chris Godwin becomes available, he's 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 number one for them. He's got to be number one. Because when I look at this offense for Washington, you've got to get wide receivers that can complement Terry McLaurin well. You've got to be able to get Terry McLaurin in a spot where he is not the only passing weapon that you have on your team. Chris Godwin then takes away a lot of that stuff. Corey Davis could even take a lot of that attention away. Curtis Samuel, even though he is a more of a quick hit wide receiver, although that's not fair to say. I think that Curtis Samuel's best ball is in front of him, and I think he's a damn good wide receiver and keeps stretching the field as well. So I think that he's even more of a complete receiver than what we saw during his days in Carolina. He's obviously got the connection to Ron Rivera because Rivera drafted him, so that's a potential uh, upgrade that you could have there. You also got to remember on the roster, they've got Kelvin Harmon. 
I mean, Kelvin Harmon might not be this first-round pick that we kind of thought that he was when he was playing at NC State, but Kelvin Harmon could potentially be an ex-receiver for them moving forward, so he could be another addition to that wide receiver group, but no matter what happens... Cam Sims? Cam Sims, sorry, big shout-out. There are a lot of guys who played on Washington's depth chart who was, like, really cool to see them get... When Cam much- Sims, I think it snapped. I was like, Cam Sims, Cam Sims? And I was like, it's Cam Sims! We got Cam Sims... We got Antonio Gandy-Golden, Isaiah Wright. Oh, Steven Sims Jr. I actually loved watching Steven Sims Jr. back in 2019, like the second half of the season when he was going off in like December and November. Anyways, they still need a big passing weapon asset. So I think that they're going to have to spend some money to go in free agency to get somebody to play opposite Terry McLaurin. Even if you think that Terry McLaurin is the one on this team, we've seen too many times that the best teams in the NFL, they don't just have a wide receiver one. They've got a plethora of offensive weapons to go to. And... Washington absolutely is not that, even if you believe that Terry McLaurin is a top 10 receiver in the NFL. So I think that they have the money right now to make a big splash on the offensive side of things. Have an even bigger pile of money to do so if Alex Smith, if they can rework things or if they're going to cut him and move on from him. And that's what I think they got to do when it comes to fixing this team. I think that they've got to, they've got to be able to go get a primary pass catcher opposite Terry McLaurin. All right. Three things. One. Yes. Alex Smith, he did have a roster bonus in his contract that guaranteed 2020 salary if he was still on the team in 2019, which obviously he was. Uh, so he had 2020 salary guarantee. So there was a, a, I was stunned to see like no roster bonuses in his contract. There was one, already happened. So now, yeah, uh, what you can do is you can go to Smith's camp and say, listen, we love you, Alex. We want you on the team. We signed this deal before your major injury. Uh, we don't want to cut you. We want to keep you here. However, uh, we'd like $14 million in cap space. So let's talk about a, a renegotiated deal, a restructured deal where you're here for a lower cap hit to reflect the, the, the change in your caliber of play, which is just necessitated by the injury that you had. Uh, you hope that Smith's like, yeah, that's fine. Uh, you know, well, well, let's let's talk about making the cap hit lower. Let's talk about, you know, taking a pay cut. It's just like, no. Then you're like, well, uh, you know, we, we might look into cutting you then. And that's a shame because we really like you here. And you think you're going to be great for a young quarterback, yada, yada, yada. So you've got that available. But yeah, I would be extre- like, it, again, it's a tricky situation to figure out. And nobody would blame them from a football ops perspective. But absolutely. Like if right now, would I rather have the version of Alex Smith we just saw last year, $14 million in cap space? I would like to have $14 million in cap space if I was running a team. So that's something that I think they're going to look into. I totally didn't even think about the Smith contract. One, two, Jeremy Reeves erasure, sir. Oh, yeah, Jeremy Reeves is good. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, no, which they 100% should not consider a camp body, UDFA, cut by the Eagles, picked up on waivers, player as a lock for their starting free safety job. Uh, So I I do agree. But he was good. He was good. Yeah. But it was awesome to see because I like Jeremy Reeves coming out of South Alabama. Uh, so congrats. Jeremy Reeves played the back half of the year as their starting free safety after Landon Collins went down with injury. Uh, obviously, Landon wasn't a, a free safety. It's just Reeves started taking snaps. Troy Apke was banged up. And so Reeves started to take that spot. Cam Curl and, also played well. Didn't mean to like not yes. mention Cam Curl. Right. Well, Cam, Cam was playing in the box. Right. Uh, right. Uh, a money backer type. Right. With their free safety spot, Reeves is going to compete for that. Apke is going to compete for that. But I agree that he look at a, a guy. Third is... Just what it, we talked about Prescott with the Patriots mm-hmm. on Monday. As a team that's watched Prescott for up close twice a year for multiple seasons now, mm-hmm. I mean, they would want, okay. They can I Prescott this, whatever he wants. Yes. 
I said this when Stafford was potentially being traded to Indianapolis, and I want to get your take on it. I said that Washington is more like in terms of teams that are a quarterback away, like that designation that we give. I said Washington is the top team that's quarterback away. I think that they're the best one, they're the most team that's a quarterback away. Because if you look at like, okay, Indy brought in a, a mercenary quarterback in old Phillip Rivers and went like 11 and five and, and, and missed the, like they went to the playoffs and immediately lost. Mm. Washington also made the playoffs. They were seven and nine. They won a terrible division. I get it. Went and with with Tyler Heineke just like being functional. They went and they were one score off the Bucks, mm-hmm. who have ended up winning the Super Bowl. Which but, obviously we can't. You're right. You're right. They did, you're right. They did end up winning the Super Bowl. You are right. I just yeah, yeah, had to you. make sure to confirm that. Oh my god. Uh, and so obviously you you, keep, you don't make an argument off of one game. You don't make an argument off of just performance in the Super or in the playoffs. However, with how good this defense is, especially down the backstretch, with the expected continued growth of the running game. Antonio Gibson settling into his role, offensive line locked up, assuming Brandon Scherf comes back, Channing McLaurin in hand. There's no team, like if I were sitting next to Prescott and Prescott were like, all right, I'm hitting free agency. I've got the Patriots calling. I've got Washington calling. I've got who else would call, you know, San Francisco calling. I've got Miami calling. I've got Minnesota calling. Yada, 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 yada. Which team do do you think is just a quarterback away? Pittsburgh, San Francisco, San Francisco, right? San Francisco's probably one. Pittsburgh's up there for sure, but Pittsburgh's about to lose three starters on their offensive line in free agency. Minnesota, Pouncey retired. Villanueva's gone. It's gone. I think it's. I think Washington's right up there. I think Washington is right up there, dude. And and, and that's why to me the New Orleans Saints. Oh my yes, there are other teams, but <laughs> I don't listen. Think you asked the question. No, I I I, I, I don't mean to. I don't mean to stop the spirit of it because. I will agree with you that what Washington is doing up front on the defensive side of things is really helping out shoot the entire defensive side of the ball, and Ron Rivera is coaching that side of the ball very, very well. If you were to put Dak Prescott, like if you were to put Dak on Washington and you were to give them a full offseason, I, I would say if you give, yeah, they are, they are a Dak Prescott quarterback and then a full offseason away from really, really making some noise. Like, if you still give them the draft and you say, okay, you go get a Rashad Bateman, or you go get a starting left tackle, or something like that, where you get a first-round impact as well as you're adding Dak Prescott, then I would tell you, like, all right, Washington's ready. So I would agree with you. I was trolling a little bit with right. those teams because they're obviously more ready, and they have more established quarterbacks that really aren't going anywhere. So And left tackle definitely makes it tricky for Washington, right? Like, if there's going to be a a position that tears your team apart that's not a quarterback. It's usually pass protector, uh, being super weak there or being super weak at corner. Uh, and, and Washington has the potential to be really weak at tackle, depending on what happens to them with with their left tackle and who they're able to bring in. But what, what you saw for this team down the stretch, especially, it wasn't just like they got bad quarterback play. They had four separate dudes start. So it was a constant readjustment by the coaching staff to figure out what they were doing. It was a constant realignment of the rest of the personnel to be like, all right, who's back there? Is it Haskins with his feet in the turf? Is it Heineke who's a little pop gun is moving around doing nonsense? Like it changes the way you play. And so just one good player back there makes everything so much easier on a 16, 17, 18 week season, right? Is 
anybody on the market, Jacoby Brissett, Andy Dalton, Ryan Fitzpatrick, is anybody on the market really good enough over Prescott to move the the needle for them in terms of let's sign this guy and he'll be good enough and the rest of our infrastructure around him is good and we'll we'll go compete in the playoffs? I'm not sure. I really I maybe Dalton. Maybe Fitzpatrick. If but Ryan like, oh. if Ryan Fitzpatrick is a starting quarterback for Washington, do they beat Tampa in the wild card game? No. I'll never admit this. I, I never <laughs> I, I never ever 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 this will. It's very tough for you because this is Tampa Bay Buccaneer great Ryan Fitzpatrick. Correct. Absolutely he is. I will never answer this. I just wanted to hear what your answer was. I don't think so because like Heineke played well in that game and they lost. You know what I mean? And obviously I think Fitzpatrick's had better games in his career than that Heineke game, but Heineke wasn't a, a big limiting factor for them in, in that performance. <sighs> I just, that's the thing. It's a very, very tough quarterback for agent market. And so I think that they have to plan around drafting a quarterback, potentially moving up for a quarterback. Like it, when I look at Washington, Chicago, Indianapolis, New England, right? Like those teams all 15 to 21. I guess Indy's not in that conversation anymore. But you look at those teams, you're like, who could move up for a quarterback? Mm-hmm. We've talked about the Bears and Ryan Pace being in a situation where to save his job, he's going to be aggressive trying to move up. But a team where it's like, all right, like if we think Matt Jones can walk in and just like be good, like he's just pro ready, like he's, he's going to be a good system quarterback in year one, that might have to be the move for Washington at 19. That might They might have to be looking at a trade-up because – Otherwise, you're walking in here with this ready roster, which is largely pretty cheap and it's impressively built, and and, and you're all in the, everybody's in alignment. Like I was talking about, like you've got a good system in place, and you just don't have a quarterback. You're just treading water. You're just wasting time. Then all of a sudden, it's like, all right, whatever we can do to go get Mac at 13, trade up. We got to go get him because that's the best option for our team. We're about to put all those options on the table with the three round mock draft for the Washington Football Team after this word from our good friends over at rockauto.com. They're a family-owned business serving auto parts to customers online for over 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. You can see everything that they've got on the site over on that left side. You can find your exact car in like 60 seconds. It's so easy. You can see exactly the parts that they have, see if anything's available. If you don't see exactly what you're looking for, you can hit them up. They've got great customer service. If you do, Go to rockauto.com, see all the parts that they have available for your car or truck. Please write locked on NFL draft in their little like, how did you hear about us box that'll pop up because that'll really help us out. That's really great for Ben and I. They've got an amazing selection, reliably low prices. I promise they're going to be competitive with basically everything else that you find, and they're going to be really easy to deal with as well. All the car parts you're ever going to need over rockauto.com. We got a three-round mock draft for Washington coming up after the break. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host the Locked On Peacock and Williamson podcast every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering the latest news and insight from every game, team, and move around the NFL. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I wasn't prepared to share my screen with a mock draft, and so now I got to stall... So Ben doesn't yell at me. Just name the players. Here we go. We're basically to the point in draft season where we could probably do that. With in all honesty, we we could we could honestly just like run through a mock and not even have. I've always okay. This is this is such a draft nerdy thing, but I've always wanted to try doing like at least like a three round mock with no like not writing it down. 
and just see if who I forget. Right, like I just do a three oh. round look, and then I look at it. I put it in the machine. I'm like, "Oh, that's right, Jalen Waddle exists." You know what I mean? That would be funny. Just see how many of the top guys you could remember. That would be very funny. Okay, before we start this mock, you mentioned Washington potentially trading up to go get a quarterback. Now we can go kind of like pick by pick. I can try to like start and stop the draft to see like when quarterbacks are going off the board, but they're at 19, and they've already put number 19 up for sale. They threw in a starter. They threw in a third-round pick. That was all for Matthew Stafford. I think that they would be willing to get bold enough to go up for a quarterback in this draft, but they got to give up a lot. You know, you look at other teams that might be moving up to go get a quarterback, potentially the Niners. You look at Carolina as a big one. I really do think it's going to go Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and then I think that somebody's moving up to three. Like I think that that Miami's going to have that pick up for Fields sale. Going at six to the Eagles. You know, like Fields could go six to the Eagles. You know, like then, then is, it's just you. you know it's it's Trey Lance going somewhere. Or do you wait for Mac Jones? I don't really know what the strategy is here for Washington because I would tell you, go up and get your guy. But we're even seeing Mac Jones get top ten hype. How my, much? My how Tannenbaum much are you? How much are you giving ESPN. up? Mike Tannenbaum said today on ESPN that the floor for Mac Jones is eight to the Panthers. So you're basically running. If, you, if you're watch, look, man, it, look, Mac Jones is going to go. I think stupid high at this point. Daniel Jones went six. I it's never off the table. Puke. So Miami's at three. I think that's a potential target. Atlanta's at four. I think that's a potential target. I don't know if Cincinnati's moving back that far from 19. I think they're a bad team that needs good players, especially with their current regime being a little bit on the hot seat here. I don't think Philly's moving from 6 to 19. Detroit might. And I would tell you that Carolina is much more susceptible to move up than move back. So if we're moving up into the top eight, and we're Washington, you basically got pick three, pick four, and pick seven. If you're moving up to pick three and four, you're basically giving up first-round picks in what, the next three years? Is that too much to say? To move from 19 to there? Especially if you're yep. bidding against other teams? <laughs> that would be, it would be first-round picks for, yeah, I would say like you got to include two ones, go from 19 to three. And then you're then you're bidding against other teams. Like Carolina could also be calling you. And they're like, okay, well, Carolina right. called us with two ones and they have eight, so what are you going to do oh. about it? This year is going to be so much fun. I can't wait for the draft. It's going to be crazy. All, um, all that to say, okay. do we want to do a trade here for Washington? Because I think the only realistic place is for them to trade up to seven. I can sim it to seven and see if a quarterback's on the board for them to move from 19 to seven, and that might cost them two first-round picks and maybe a couple of other picks. Yeah, let's let's sim picks one through six and then okay. see who's on the board at seven. Okay, I will try to make sure that I don't get to seven. Hit! Okay, we're at five. Okay, six. Seven. Okay, we're at seven. Trey Lance is still here. Trey Lance is still here. The other three quarterbacks are gone. Sick. Okay. Mac Jones is also still there for everybody to keep his score at home. (laughs) Imagine Mac going before Trey Lance. I would die. Okay. Let's see what the Lions want. Okay. Let's do a trade here. All right. So, So, Washington. Here's 19. Here's another one. Okay. And and here's a, a two next. Yeah. You think you give two him next a, year? Give him a two in like 2023. You make it conditional or something. Wow. Wow. Okay. They would probably do this. Yeah. That's what it's saying. I mean, okay. like, it's, this is a. I'm throwing in a 20. I'm, th- I'm throwing in a 2022 
third rounder from Detroit. And they're still good for it? Yeah, they're still good for they're it. They're still good for it. This is a right, this is a healthy offer, but I would imagine there's going to be if the Panthers are chilling at eight, there's going to be calls trying to get up to seven ahead of them. Right, so. right, right. So I think that this is what it's going to cost. Should we send the offer in? You want to do it? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Trey Lance going to Washington. Oh, I'd love to see it. All right. All right, Trey Lance going to Washington at seven. Get wrecked, Carolina. Get wrecked. They picked the Carolina picked Rayshon Slater at eight after that. Where did, where and did Mac Jones is going to make it all the way to 19? Of course he did. Well, of course. But that's because right now our machine has him ranked 33. We don't think all this hype is warranted. But maybe when we get closer, he'll start moving up the predictive board. All right. So Washington's now picking for the first time in the second yeah. round at number. All right. So 51. now I'm looking for an impact second or third level defender or offensive line depth. Assuming we've addressed it, addressed wide receiver and free agency, which would be appropriate in this class with this much money. Yes, I agree with you. Okay, so. Offensive tackles, we got Dylan Radence, we got James Hudson from Cincinnati, we got yeah. Jackson Carmen, the big offensive tackle no, from Clemson. Yeah. Those aren't none of those are guys that I'd want starting in year one. Like I, I would do it if I had to, but I don't know about what that. What was the other position uh, you really wanted? Linebacker corner. I mean, this is this would be a good I think Jabril Cox spot. I think Cox is going you're, way higher than eighty one when he's ranked spot for us. Is a good Jabril Cox spot. Well, because you obviously like you want as a baseline linebackers you could cover like i like i can get i can get other linebackers to do what else i need to go up towards the line of scrimmage i can get guys to fit the run i don't know if i can get guys to cover what about Cox, if they got well. holcomb from north carolina they brought in chas surratt his his uh his replacement just absolute speed. go back to the well just absolute speed i go for chas surratt uh, here. yeah i'd like chas surratt. who we got a corner just praying for newsome oh newsome's still there do they need him though? Like they're going to okay. bring back Darby. They have full. Okay, if they bring back Darby, you lose Fabian Moreau, who is your first guy off the bench. Uh huh. You are uh, Fuller and Darby. Darby's had injury problems. He was obviously pretty healthy for you last year, but it's something that you're worried about. Right? There's a reason you signed Darby for a one year, four million, five million, or whatever it was. Right? Like he wasn't super in demand. Newsom is interesting because that also gives you the ability to play Fuller on the inside. If you want to start Newsom and and then play Fuller, then that puts Moreland on the bench because Moreland's a fine slot, but he can be a better slot. This, I will not stand for Jimmy Moreland slander. If, if you're facing like, if you're facing a team whose primary passing option is their slot, it gives you the ability to move Fuller inside and play Newsom on the outside. Mm -hmm. So I like Newsom. I like Surratt. I don't really like the tackles on the board. I Who's that wide receiver? Oh, Landon Dickerson's still here. Uh, Nico Collins, Tutu Atwell. Dwayne Eskridge, Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah. There's names I'd be fine with, but there's nobody that jumps out to me. So I personally think Surratt or Newsom. I think those are good picks. I'd probably lean Newsom at this point. Oh, yes. Man. I want offensive Dude. tackle, though. I want offensive tackle, Ben. All right, mine's between Dylan Radins and, and Greg Newsom. Greg Newsom it is, baby! Okay, all right, okay, all right. Okay, fine. Fine. I think we got one more pick. We got 74, I believe. Everyone and their mother is currently calling us to move up to go get a 
couple of extra draft picks. Bringing in Washington, baby. Oh, we got two more picks. We got 74 and we got 82. Okay. okay Why do they have an extra third? I don't know. Let's find out. Jackson. I like how we always do these, these three round mock drafts and we never know actually like what exact picks we're going to have. Yeah, we're flying by the seat of our pants. That's what good GM work is. They have a future third from the Trent Williams trade. Let's hey. go get a tackle with that pick then. All right. Wait, at 82 or 74? What are you saying? With one of them. I don't care. I'm just saying. Like, okay, you know, well, I, I, don't really, I, don't really, I don't really want to wait on offensive tackle. Like, Jackson Carmen is still here, so I'm not really... See, I'm, this is where... Yeah, this is where Jackson Carmen to me, is more interesting now. Jackson Carmen or Walker Little? What do you think? I like Carmen a lot better. Okay. All right, we'll go Jackson Carmen. So we'll go Jackson Carmen at 74, and then at 82, who's going to be left at wide receiver? I want a wide. I want mm. a wide receiver here. This is wide receiver. Thailand makes a lot of sense. Do they have Thailand? Thailand is still here. Yeah. Right. So Thailand's really good for them because if there's anything McLaurin isn't, it's great catch point. Uh, Wallace obviously is one of the best catch point receivers there is. Deami Brown, I don't know, Carolina. Sage Serrato, Wake Forest, both still on this on the board. Also Prob- great catch point guys. Probably obviously um, depends on who they bring in in free agency, right? I mean, like if they're bringing right. in a Corey Davis kind of a player, then right. I'd be I'd be fine with the Miami Brown because he's more of a field stretcher for you. If they're bringing in like a Will Fuller, then give me Tylen Wallace or give me Sage Sherratt or something like that. Right. So if they I like I think Curtis Samuel makes a lot of sense for them. In which case, like guys like Demetri Felton and Amari Rogers, who are both on this board, aren't as necessary. The really nice thing about McLaurin is that he's so good getting off press, and one of the biggest limiting factors that you have when you're evaluating and drafting wide receivers is like, is this guy going to be able to get off press coverage? Yes or no. McLaurin's going to take a lot of, is going to be able to take a lot of press coverage and still be extremely successful. So you can go for receivers who like Deami Brown on North Carolina, who hasn't seen a lot of press coverage and has struggled against press coverage in the past and feel confident saying you can put him at the Z, get him a yard off line of scrimmage, make his releases easier in year one. And hopefully uh, he, he grows in that skill moving forward. So I personally would go for a catch point player, because uh, I don't think they're going to be in the market for a big money on like Allen Robinson, big money on Kenny Galladay. Uh, so barring them bringing in like a Marvin Jones, who's like a second tier catch point guy, I think that's going to be the role that's open for them. Mm-hmm. And those are the players that best fill it on the board as we see it. So that would be my angle. Who who did you have? Tylen and who? Who was the other one? Tylen, Diami Brown, Sage Surratt. I probably would take Tylen out of that group. I like the idea of Tylen Wallace and Terry McLaurin being on the same team. That's fun as hell. Moved up to go get Trey Lance. Oh, but Trey Lance got a cannon. I like the Amy Brown. I like the Amy Brown when I think about Trey Lance. She's throwing those rain the throwing those rainbow that, balls hey, to five yards down the me. field. Yeah, that works for me. He doesn't have much experience, uh, Trey Lance does, throwing like true back shoulder balls. And that's a lot of what Tylen was successful at with Oklahoma State. So you haven't really seen that throw yeah. on Lance's film that would match Wallace's, whereas Diami gets a lot more traditional nine pattern balls as well as the back shoulder stuff. I'm going so you could, you could argue that, and that's a really good point, Trev, talking about the throws specifically you're going to get out of your rookie quarterback. Right, right. I like the I like Diami Brown for Trey Lance. So that's Is it. it Diami or Diami? I don't know. Diami Brown, so. I think. I, yeah. I probably I probably say it different. I just every say time, it really but, fast. Yeah. Diami. Yeah, Diami yeah, Brown. Yeah, uh, he's Brown. really good for it. Diami Brown. He's a good wide receiver from uh, from North Carolina. It's funny because he was like one of my. I I was one of his biggest fans going into the summer, and I probably say his name different all the time. I believe it's Diami Brown. Trey Lance. That was our first pick. We traded up from nineteen, gave a couple of uh, 
extra draft picks. We gave a first rounder next year, a second rounder the year after that. Moved up to Detroit from 19 to 7. Took Trey Lance, the quarterback there. Greg Newsom, corner, second round, Northwestern. Gives us the ability to play Fuller on the inside, which Ben really liked. Jackson Carmen, we're getting a Trent Williams replacement with the Trent Williams pick. Wait, was it the Trent Williams pick, or did we say the 82 was the Trent Williams pick? I think 74, I think was, 74, 74 would have been. It's because yeah. the Niners are worse than the, yeah. Yeah, we know what we're talking about here. The, he, was, he is the massive, powerful offensive tackle from Clemson. And then do we get Jimmy Brown from, uh, from UNC? He is the field stretcher. He is the speed receiver. I like Dammy. He's he's a lot of fun, man. I think that him and Trey Lance would be fantastic. If you watch any Trey Lance film, that deep rainbow ball, I could just see Brown right underneath it, straight into the basket. I think that'd be a good stop for their offense. We're also adding some pretty good free agents. I think that we're adding some sort of wide receiver for them. A Corey Davis, a Will Fuller, a, a, a Curtis Samuel something. We're keeping the offensive line good because we're re-signing Brandon Sheriff, and then we're making some other splashes in free agency as well. It just depends where they want to spend their money. And so Washington's actually in a really good spot, and I think that that all starts with Ron Rivera being at the helm. Him having full football control means that I think that Washington is in a good place moving forward. We're expanding our mock draft abilities for tomorrow's podcast. It's a brand new midweek mock draft, but I do need to tell you guys this. Tomorrow's podcast, tomorrow's midweek mock draft podcast is the last mock draft that Ben and I are going to do for an entire month. The rest of the podcast. We'll never, ever do another one ever again. No, but it is the... What is a mock draft? The last mock that we are doing for an entire month because throughout the month of March, Ben and I will be going through each episode giving our final evaluations and thoughts for all of the different positions in the class. So we're going to go quarterback, running back, wide receiver, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, corners. We're going to go through all of the major positions in the NFL, highlighting the guys that we like the most, ranking our top fives, who we like in certain systems, who's our guy in the class, what we think of the class overall. We're going to be doing that all throughout the month of March. And then at the end of all of that, after we give you guys our thoughts on all of the players from all the positions that we have watched, then we are going to do our first mock draft which actually comes on a monday funny enough so we're going back to mock draft monday alliteration we're going to be doing that after we finish all of our player eval so we're going to take a break from it which means you got to make sure that you tune into the midweek mock tomorrow it's going to get crazy knowing that the fact that we've got to pull out all the stops we can't do another mock we can't just be like ah never mind we'll do one next week nope got to get it right got to bring the a game that's tomorrow until then you guys keep it locked right here on lockdown nfl draft